Hello, everybody, and welcome to Staying Fit ODAT. My name is Migs, and I'm your host. ODAT is an acronym for one day at a time that I picked up in early sobriety and something that's stuck with me every day since. All right, welcome to the next episode of Staying Fit ODAT, one day at a time. My name is Migs. I'm going to be your host today. I'm a recovering alcoholic myself. So just a friendly reminder to all of our listeners out there, I would like you, if you have a chance, if you have the time, one thing that would really, really help out the podcast and its growth and to be found by people all over the world would be to leave a rating or review. Uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Speakerbox, CastBox, Podchaser, I believe those are all websites you can leave reviews and ratings. It really, really, really helps a lot. It helps pop up on people's suggestions when they are not already following the podcast and they're not affiliated with the group. It just helps us pop up. So again, if you can leave a rating or a review, it would just it would help so much tremendously to just pop up on other people's feed. With that being said, this podcast is continuing to grow. I think we mentioned on the last episode that we were up to 20 countries. As of this week now, before we start recording this episode, we are up to 21 countries. Thanks to our listener, or I'm sorry, thanks to our interviewee today, Mr. Daniel Bruels, uh, or maybe I apologize if I said your last name incorrectly, you can go ahead and say, uh, clarify that. But anyway, uh, tuned in from the Netherlands. So the Netherlands is now our 21st country to tune into the podcast. And I'm super, super excited about that. It's getting bigger and bigger all over the world. So if you know anybody that is not in one of the 21 countries that I've listed previously, Tell them to click in and listen to an episode and let's help keep spreading this out. And don't forget, leave those ratings and reviews. It helps a lot. This content will always be free on the podcast. It's the one thing I ask from you on the podcast. So as we get in today, as I already mentioned, our interview today is going to be with Daniel. Daniel is tuning in from the Netherlands. Uh, but before I try and really introduce him, I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. Why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners who you are, where you're from, and what you do for a living to start off? Um, well, my name is Daniel. Um, I'm 46 years old. Um, I'm a recovering cocaine addict. Uh, uh, I, I usually, well, actually before the, the whole situation with the addiction started, I was a, a happy young boy who, uh, who never did any any drugs or alcohol. Uh, when I went up partying with my friends, I was the only one who stayed sober. Uh, but then in 2003, the things took a really bad turn uh, in a very unexpected moment. I just had finished my relationship. Uh, and then one of my co-workers in the hotel where I worked at, he said, oh, I'll try this. It's going to keep you awake all night and you can have more drinks and uh, you'll be fine tomorrow. And it's not it's not like you're having ecstasy or, or heroin or something. So, yeah, that was the the moment where it all started going downhill. That's where it all started for you. So yeah. we're, we're pretty much jumping right into your story here. But before we go too far into it, um, so you're tuning you're you're with us from the Netherlands today. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So I, this is actually the. Uh, only the sec or sorry, the third interview that I've done, uh, with someone that is not in the United States. I interviewed Henry from, uh, England, and then we had Martin in Canada, and then we have you today in the Netherlands. So this is really exciting. It's, it's again, the, the third international interview I'm doing. This is really, really cool. Um, I'm really excited about that. Why don't you tell us about like 
the town or the city that you're from for our listeners, you know, someone like myself who has never been there, doesn't really know anything about the country, um, you know, kind of like where, where it's at, like kind of paint a little bit of a visual picture of your town for, for our listeners who have never been. Yeah. Um, well, actually where I live, it's about um, uh, two miles away from the German border and maybe not even 10 miles from the Belgian border. So oh, wow. where I live, it's, it's like a really international place. Uh, and about a half a mile away from my home, there's a, a, an international uh, army base uh, um, where most of the, the military staff is uh, US military staff. So I have some uh, uh, American friends as well. That's really um, cool. And the area where I live, it's quite, it's not, it's not hilly like uh, the Rocky Mountains in the US. Uh, it's, it's just a few, like, uh, how do I ex uh, explain it? It's, it's hilly, but not, it's, not, it's no big mountains. It's completely green. It's, uh, um, it's, it, actually, it's, a, it's just net nature all around, um, everywhere you look. That's really cool. So if you're, only, if you're only two miles from Germany and 10 miles from Belgium, that means you could, if you started in one particular spot, you could actually run a half marathon in three different countries in just a short distance, like a half marathon. If you just yeah. started in Germany... And you can just round your way right into the Netherlands and right over to Belgium. That, I mean, that's, that's super cool and almost unheard of that. You can just kind of like nail three countries in just a half marathon. That's awesome. Have you ever done anything like that to say uh, you ran in two or three different countries in one run? Yeah, actually today was one of the times that I did it, uh, um, but it wasn't just a bit, a bit longer than, uh, than half a marathon. Yeah. And we're definitely, we're not going to let the cat out the bag on that one yet, because with this, with, with us talking a lot about fitness, um, that's, that's a big, a big surprise for our listeners. Uh, this is, this is the first time we did an interview with someone who pretty much done something like that right before the interview. I mean, you only just finished an hour ago. So, you know, we're going to yeah. leave the listeners on the edge of their seat saying, Oh God, what the hell did this guy do? But you got to keep listening to the story and then you're going to hear what kind of awesome shit Daniel did this morning. Um, so, uh, back into your story a little bit. So 2003 is the first time you tried cocaine. Um, and you said you had a pretty normal, average, happy childhood growing up. You were always yeah. kind of the responsible one. So when you tried cocaine for the first time, what what was that like for you? Was it like, were you one of those immediate, like, love at first sight, like, shit, I'm going to keep doing this? Or was it kind of like, I don't really like this a lot, but it kind of grabs you in, in its reins? Like, how did that work for you after the first experience? Well, actually, um, I, I didn't expect it to be a love at first sight uh, kind of story. And when I went to take the first line, I thought, okay, well, one line can't hurt me, it can't kill me. Um, I thought, ah, it's, it's not going to matter. It's, I'm going to be waking up tomorrow with a headache from, from, uh, from the few drinks I had, and that, that's it. And then the story is, uh, is finished. But immediately after that, I took the line, I said, okay, just get me some more. I, I, I love this shit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be taking it a few more. I need right to away. take it. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy, and and actually the, the the next ten years kind of went by like a like a, like it were split split seconds. Gotcha. Now, again, um, because I'm I'm not familiar with that area. Again, I've never been to the Netherlands. I've never been to Europe at all. Now, certain drugs um, 
certain things that you can do, at least over here in the United States, depending on where you are, where you live, when you say certain things, you know, certain drugs, it's like, I don't want to say it's expected and it's acceptable by any means, but you know, if you say you live in a certain area and you say I do cocaine, it almost doesn't surprise someone. But if you live in a different area and you say you do something like that, it's like, shit, you might like, people might kind of think twice, like, how did you even find it? You know, not a lot of people in this area do that. So in the area that you're from is, is cocaine usage. Is that like, is that pretty common or was that like the first time it was really around you or what, what was that part like? No, actually, it, it, it surprised me when I when I lived in Spain and when I took that first line, I, I, I was surprised by how easy it was to just go out of the door of your uh, your apartment, and 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 basically you could you could buy it on any corner of the street. And, and you said this was to, in Spain. This was in Spain, yeah. And then three years later, uh, in two thousand six, I got back to the Netherlands, uh, and I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not going to have the same problem so it's going to be easy to uh, to quit well actually the first day after i got home i was walking on the street and I was stopped by two or three dealers in a car and it was just as easy to get the same shit i mean it, it's it's easier to get uh, it's easier to get drugs or weapons than to get a a, a job for example oh wow yeah wow. It's, it's crazy that's uh, and it's it's crazy too how like when it's something that you're doing and and when it's something like that how like how much you can kind of really see it and how much it's kind of like in your face like there once it's like brought to your attention it's like if you buy a red car you know that now you notice everybody out on the street that's driving a red car so once you go ahead and you try cocaine you happen to notice like fuck everybody out here has cocaine and like you said I don't know how many times prior to that night that you've just been stopped walking down the street by someone saying hey do you want to buy some cocaine but all of a sudden you come back and you're thinking it's not going to be that common. And then what happens right away? Someone's like, Hey, do you want to buy some Coke? So it's, it's crazy how that just like, you know, it's almost like we have this, like almost like a sign on our forehead that says, Hey, like I'm, I'm fucked up now. So just come offer me some shit that you got and I'm going to just give you my money. So it's just weird how that shit works. Yeah. No, it's uh, actually one of the things I, I, I once said out loud when I was on, when I was high on cocaine, I said, how the fuck can people notice that I'm, I'm on coke? I mean, I don't have big black eyes or um, I don't have any white uh, powder hanging out of my nose or it was just just by the, the way I, I looked at people or uh, the way I acted on the streets, they just knew I was probably into buying some more shit. So I was kind of like a magnet for, uh, for them. Well, I think that goes with, you know, just not even just with drugs and whatnot. I think when, um, when someone is a, a salesperson of anything illegal or, or legal, I think they just kind of, people just kind of have a look to them when, when they're in their market, you know, like, like I'm a, I'm a bartender and a server and I've been in the restaurant industry for a long time. So I, I tend to be able to spot someone who might be a little intoxicated, a little drunk, you know, quicker than the average person who might just be out there hanging out and whatnot, you know, they might see someone and be like, Oh, that guy's just having a good time. And I've been around enough drunk people and I never like to assume you and I talked about assumptions, but I got a pretty good, a pretty good grasp and a pretty good read on people where I could be like, yeah, well, he's also, he's, he's had more than just a couple of drinks. That guy's halfway in the bag already. So, you know, it's, it's when, when it's something you do. So it's probably the same thing for someone who's, who's selling that shit. They're like, Hey, this, this guy has the couple signs on his face or those couple things that I know I see to all these other people I sell it to. And it's like, 
you know, you'd stick out like a sore thumb to a guy like that. Um, so, so you, you pretty much, you're, you're diving into it right away. You spend uh, three years doing it in Spain. You come back to the Netherlands. It pretty much becomes available for you immediately. You're right into yep. it there. Um, does, is this at this point, is this like an everyday thing for you already? Or is this like, are you just partying on the weekends or, or what, are, what is kind of like the consistency of, of the usage for you? Um, it was actually more like uh, once every two days or once every three days uh, in the beginning when I got back to the Netherlands. Um, but quite, quite soon it started getting uh, out of hand and it was like two or three grams of coke every day. Shit. Until I, 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 I just couldn't, uh, uh, psychologically I couldn't uh, spend the day without it. I needed cocaine to sleep, I needed cocaine to function, I needed cocaine to uh, go to work. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's, you know, that starts to become an expensive habit too, because, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I've, I've personally never done cocaine, but I do know that um, just I've, I've been around enough other people that have done drugs and, and family members and whatnot that I'm, I'm pretty familiar with how expensive of a habit that it can be as well. So I don't know if it's the same over in the Netherlands, but I know, I know over here, it's a very, very, very expensive habit that, you know, I've seen it, I've seen it destroy people, not even just from the drug itself, but um, financially, you know, just because of how, how much it costs to really keep up with, with such a habit like that. Was that, were you starting to notice those problems as well? Well, I, I was always, uh, able to keep my job or uh, find a new job uh, during the, the addiction period um, but all the money that got in uh, was spent on cocaine so I had to not pay bills for example uh, I didn't pay sometimes I didn't pay rent or I didn't pay my insurance or I didn't pay my taxes so I ended up having some uh, some debts uh, actually quite a quite a few what were you doing for a living during this time I was working as a salesperson for uh, um, uh, medical uh, device companies, uh, uh, American companies, in fact. Uh, one of them is called Medtronic, uh, and the other one is called Boston Scientific. Uh, they produce and sell uh, medical devices worldwide, uh, for example, pacemakers or stents or anything related to uh, cardiovascular surgery. It was really good. Okay. I've I've definitely heard of Boston scientific. I didn't know, I didn't know exactly what they did, but I've definitely heard that name before. And I feel like I've seen their logo on some stuff. I think Boston scientific is up to three or $4 billion of turnover every year. Holy shit. I'm not sure. They could be bigger now, but back then when I worked for them, they, they were around two or 3 billion. And you said this was never a problem at work, like uh, you, your bosses or nobody, none of your higher ups ever noticed that you had a problem. Um, no, no one ever said anything to you. No, not in the beginning. They uh, they always thought I was uh, drinking too much coffee. So <laughs> I, I had a way of kind of, uh, how do you say, hiding my uh, my addiction. But uh, in, in 2011, 2012, it got it got. Uh, uh, so much out of hand that my my boss actually said to me something's wrong with you and I don't know what it is Uh, uh, please be honest to me Uh, is anything wrong at home Uh, you have any personal issues we should know about do you have any problems with somebody your money to and and then it kind of uh, got out uh, in just a second I said to my boss okay listen uh, my problem is that I'm, I'm a cocaine junkie 
and that's where the whole uh, start of the recovery process was was triggered actually it took okay. another few months before i started recovery but um, the, the 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 foundation for recovery process was uh, was laid right there when my boss said okay we need to uh, we need to solve this now you you brought up a good uh, a good question that it made me think of as well too um again you know very very typical when someone has a a habit and a pretty expensive habit such as yours you know they tend to sometimes bite off more than they can chew you know uh going going to see the drug man getting a little bit more than they have the cash for you know i'll pay you next week when i get paid that type of thing did you ever find yourself in any trouble like that owing owing some people some money and then not having it and having to worry, you know, shit, something bad might happen. I got to come up with this money. Or did you ever find yourself really deep in some situations like that where you actually had to be concerned that something might be going on? No, no, no. I was, I was even, even when I was completely, uh, 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 high as a guide, as they say, um, I, I was still, uh, thinking in a way rationally, um, I, I was always aware of uh, if I would go past that uh, level uh, and ask for more, uh, even though I knew I didn't have the money for it, I would end up having serious uh, problems. Okay, uh, so at, at least you had that one that one thing that was like, all right, we can't go this far. Like we're gonna still keep doing it, but we're not gonna do go this far. So at least you had that that one thing going yeah. for you because. You know that can get very dangerous. Who knows? We might not even be having this interview today if if it, if you went exactly. that far. Yeah, um, actually, when I when I lived in Spain, I I uh, uh, was witness of a, uh, an attempt of, uh, attempt of assassination or not not assassination uh, uh, attempt of murder. Um, wow. This guy he hadn't paid uh, his uh, 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 well, let's say his drugs for for a few weeks, and he didn't come up with the money. And actually, it was a, a lot of money. And I was witnessing it from from a few hundred meters away, but it it, it wasn't uh, how do you say it? it wasn't easy to look at. Yeah, that's uh, and, um, that's scary. Yeah, no, it was it was. Man, I mean, so the, I, guy, the guy who uh, who uh, he owed the money to, he was hitting him on the head with a hammer. Holy I mean, shit! Yeah. Now, He's did you there. did you ever end up in any legal trouble yourself? Did you ever? Were you ever stopped by the cops while having anything on you and or getting pulled over or anything like that? Did you find yourself ever ever having to deal with the law on that end? No, no, no. The, actually, the only time I was uh, stopped by the police uh, for traffic control when they suspected I was on uh, on drugs, it was when I was uh, sober for a few months already. <laughs> and then you were like, hey, take me out the car. Who gives a shit? Take me yeah. out, search me, give me a sobriety test. Like those are those proud moments. <laughs> yeah. And, and they said, well, yeah, your, your reaction is quite uh, uh, aggressive towards, towards us. Uh, did you take any drugs? No, 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 please. Uh, I mean, taking life, cut my arm open, uh, take my blood, whatever you want. I'm, uh, I'm sober. Ah, no, I don't believe it. Uh, you got to do a test. Yeah. Okay, well, no problem. So, so your, your boss, your boss approaches you eventually. He asks you if you have these trouble going on and you said it was a few more months before you finally actually started, you know, actually working the recovery. What happened in that few months between when he starts talking to you, when you kind of, when you finally said out loud that uh, to use your words, that you were a cocaine junkie, what mm -hmm. happened between then 
and the next few months, because I'm assuming this is 2012, because that's when your sobriety year was. So yeah, was, what, what kind of yeah. happens over the next few months that really like changes for you where you're like, all right, enough is enough. I need to start doing something. It, it actually was uh, was about six weeks before I started my my actual recovery process. Um, but the day the day after I talked to my boss, I went to see my parents. Um, I said, well, OK, listen, you guys might have suspected something. Uh, I know you've been worrying because I wasn't all all that good the past few years, but okay, this is the problem. Um, I'm, I'm addicted to cocaine. And, and actually it took it really, really well. Uh, they said, we knew it, we knew it. We just didn't want to ask you. We, we wanted you to come forward and say it out, uh, say it yourself. And then the next day I had to go to my sister because obviously the, the whole situation had a kind of uh, um, uh, done damage to my uh, my relation with my family and especially with my sister and my my brother-in-law. So I went to my sister and I said, "Listen, uh, this is what's going on, and I I need to go find help." So I started looking for places where I could go into uh, counseling and therapy. Okay, okay. So your your family knew, but they just didn't want to pretty much call you out on your shit, so to speak, and uh, they wanted to wait until you kind of made that decision as well. And, you know, I think that's very common a lot of times with family. Uh, there's kind of two different ways that family can approach. They can either, they can harp on you and they can, you know, bust your balls and they can push you further away, which a lot of times makes the recovery process a lot harder because yeah. we don't want to admit that we're alcoholics or that we're addicts or that we got this or we got that. So, you know, it can make it harder. Um, or sometimes they just kind of sit back and they stay quiet and they just kind of wait for you to realize on your own. And they just hope that it doesn't take too long before you end up either dead or in jail or things get too, too bad. And it sounds like your family took the second route for you. Exactly, so they did. And actually what they, uh, there's this, this English saying uh, that I learned a few years before my recovery. Um, and it applies to this situation as well. You can take a horse to the water, but you can't force it to drink. Yep. So you, you, can, show, you can show somebody the way we can't force uh, him or her to uh, to actually start doing it. They have to uh, make the decision by themselves and 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 see it too. I mean, they have to they have to realize for themselves. They can't be told by somebody else because it's they're probably going to deny it, as you said. Absolutely. I mean, I shit. I know I did for a long time when people would try and question me or call me out. Nobody ever actually used the word alcoholic towards me, but anytime anybody insinuated that I drank too much or, you know, tried to tell me to chill out, it only made me want to drink more to prove that I didn't have a problem that I could handle myself. You know, if someone would tell me, hey, when we go out tonight, don't get too drunk, it would almost make me want to drink more. So that way I can show them, look, I can drink as much as I want and I can be completely normal. And it just it never worked that way because I would just end up getting shit faced, and it would be the same thing over and over and over. And I would just prove them right. Um, and, you know, just make an ass out of myself. And I did that way too many times. So you said you started looking into, uh, did you say you went into rehab? Yeah, I, I didn't go into like a, a full-time rehab clinic uh, kind of uh, um, uh, process. Uh, I went into counseling. So I had to go five days a week, uh, two times a day. Uh, one time was like a, a group counseling. Uh, and one part was a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a therapist. Okay. And how, how was that for you? Was that something that like, 
did you was it working for you were you kind of enjoying the relief of the process or was it something that you just realized like did you did you kind of have like a resentment towards it but you knew that you needed to to get away from the drugs or, or what was kind of what was your mindset going into it? were you open-minded about it or did you just like did you feel like you just had to do it and so you were just doing the bare minimum well, of course, in the beginning, there's always a, that part, that one part of you that still says, okay, uh, well, I'm going to do it because I, I have to. Uh, uh, I'm going to do this uh, for my parents. I'm going to do this uh, uh, just so everybody stays off my back. But eventually you start realizing that you're doing it for yourself. At least that's, that's what happened in my case. I, 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 at one moment, I thought if at one point in my life, uh, uh, I'm going to have a chance to uh, to start over again. Uh, it's now. Uh, if I don't do now, it's never going to happen. I'm never yeah. going to be uh, a, a recovering, or uh, I'm never going to be a better person. I'm still going to be the same shit faced or uh, cocaine snorting guy that I am now. For sure. And did you, along with doing that, did you also start working any any twelve step programs or anything along those lines, or? Was it just the uh, the counseling and the and the treatment that they were providing for you? Was there anything think, that you kind of did hand in hand with that? Uh, no, actually, the the one thing that I did hand in hand with the, the counseling was my uh, my uh, running. Uh, my uh, I started running, and the same day I started going to counseling. Uh, that was your first time running. Yeah, yeah, the same day. I uh, I needed to uh, get some uh, excess energy uh, and uh, nerves out of my system. Uh, probably the worst idea I ever had because I, I had never run for, well, at least not for 20 years. So I wasn't the worst <laughs> ever. I probably ran like 500 yards and I was on the floor puking and my heart was just exploding. Welcome to uh, the club. Yeah, that was that was bad. I mean, that was worse than, than the worst trip I ever had on, on drugs. Um, but then a week later, I said, okay, I'm going to give it another try. And then eventually I started running 1K, 2k i built up until 5k and then it got out of hand uh, a, a tiny little bit Ab absolutely and now we're just gonna let now we're just gonna let the cat out the bag i can't hold it in anymore like you said it's it's built up a lot 1k 2k 5k 10k to the point where an hour and a half before we started recording this episode why don't you tell our listeners what you just did today uh I, I i i should tell you i'm uh i'm that kind of person i like to challenge myself um i i ran some 100 k's and uh, 100 miles before but those were official races uh but today was actually more like a training day and i said okay i'm gonna do 100k and see how far i can get and maybe even some more uh, I started at 4.21 a.m. this morning and I ran uh, for 12 and a half hours. Um, Shit. And how many how many Ks did, did you do 100 K? Is that exactly what you ended up doing? Yeah. yeah. So for our listeners out there who might not be familiar with with the, the metric system, 100 K is 62, 62 miles. miles. 62 miles, exactly. 62 miles. So just to kind of think about that, that is... That is two marathons and then 10 more miles on top of it just for good measure. <laughs> so just to kind of give you something to think about how much running this man did. Um, that is absolutely unbelievable. That is, and, and that was just a training run. 
So it, uh, was that a training run for anything specific? Do you have any specific races coming up or are you just trying to keep your fitness up for when you pick something? No, I, um, I've done this, uh, this ultra running thing for, uh, six years now. Um, my ultimate goal is to run a 200, 200 mile race in the U S. Um, uh, but that's going to be in two years from now. So for now, 200 miles, 200 miles. Yeah. It's around Lake Tahoe in uh, California. And you said, you said you did this, uh, this run today in 12 hours, 12 and a half hours. Yeah. But that's, uh, uh, that's quite uh, flat i mean where i live it's not a lot of elevation so i had like three three and a half three three and a half thousand feet of, of elevation i'm trying to think of what that pace is 62 miles in 12 and a half hours what was the pace on that uh oh actually i don't know it's it's not a, the pace is quite low actually but you have to take into account you're going through mud you're going on uh on uh, uh you're going into the forest onto rocks uh, it's not like a street marathon uh, uh, you can actually compare it if the terrain is technical, if there's a lot of uh, uh, trees, branches, um, mud, it just slows you down a lot. Shit. Uh, and also, it's, it's like it's like 12 minute miles, roughly right around there. Yeah, for 12 and a half hours. Yeah, but and that's I mean, you can't really call that slow, though. Imagine like any of our listeners who, you know, have ever just done a couple miles, anybody out there at all. Just again, to, to kind of give you perspective and to kind of to kind of help you realize what Daniel just did today. Just go to your local gym and put the treadmill on 5.0. And just think about running on that treadmill on 5.0 for 12 and a half hours. Just think about that. Just just think about being on that treadmill for 12 and a half hours to give you an idea of the of the pace. And the amount of time that it took. And then you said three over 3000 feet of elevation. Yeah, approximately. Yeah. So, so to add that in, then go ahead and throw the incline on that treadmill to 0.5 or even 1.0 somewhere around there. And just imagine doing that for 12 and a half hours. That is a lot. I don't think you're allowed to say the word slow when once you're in the world of ultra and you've done more than a marathon, I don't think you're allowed to use the word slow. No, maybe maybe slow isn't the right word. I agree. Um, um, I I would say easy pace. Uh, yeah, comfortable. very comfortable. That, because that, and that's that that's the thing too is because you seem very very normal right now. Like we were talking about it afterwards, and even when you sent me that voice clip, you were like, "Hey, I just got home. I'm gonna grab some food. I'm gonna shower." You know, you know how many other people might have been like. Hey, dude, I just got my ass kicked today. You know, I think I'm going to have to reschedule. You know, I'm going to lay up and I'm going to recover. And I mean, you look like you look like you just went out and you did, you know, just 6.2 miles. You look like you did a 10K. And meanwhile, you you did that 10 times. So it's that's I'm that's hiding. The, uh, I'm hiding the, the fatigue uh, and the overall sensation. I'm hiding it really well. Now, what's the weather like out there right now? What were you kind of what kind of conditions were you in today? Um, it was, uh, maximum temperature was like 19 degrees centigrade. Uh, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. Hold uh, on. I, I got, I got Dr. Google right here for me. So it's, it's not, it's not a lot. Uh, let's see. Cause I'm kind of, you know, it's probably funny. We probably have a, we probably have a listener right now that is really good at this stuff. And they're probably shouting the answer through their phone right now or through their microphone. Yeah, about 66 degrees. So that's actually nice and cool. I mean, for me, yeah, for me, ideally, like if I could pick weather 
to go and run in like 60, 65 degrees is almost perfect for like, yep, for like cruising pace. If I'm running hard and I'm doing a race, I probably want it more like in the low fifties, because once you start working really, really hard, you start to get hotter. But if I'm just yep. doing a comfortable pace, like 60, 65, that's like perfect. You can have on like shorts and a tank top. You're not sweating too much. You're not cold. Like that's to me, that's like perfect weather, especially yeah. if you don't have to deal with nasty humidity. Well, it wasn't a lot of humidity in, in general. When it's, uh, when it's summer, uh, we have like 90, 95% of humidity here. So that's crazy. Yeah. You sweat even, even if it's, if it's like 15 degrees centigrade, but, uh, today was good. There was a lot now, of air. Did you do this on a trail or did you do this on roads? And uh, usually I run trails, but, uh, today was more like a 50, 50 uh, kind of run. Okay. And are you doing, when you do something like this, cause I know it's at a comfortable pace for you. Is this like a nice, light, comfortable run the entire time? Or is this like, are you running and walking and mixing it up? Uh, today I, I did a mix of, uh, of running and the second half, the uphill parts, I, uh, I kind of hiked it or fast hiked it, but in general, I try to run as much as possible. It doesn't always work out that way, but, uh, I, I, I try. I try this. Sometimes I don't even get to the 100k. I just have to uh, to uh, um, to uh, uh, finish early and 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 do, for example, just a 50 or 60. Hey, dude, that's that's still absolutely savagery. Yeah, now, is, what is, is what's the longest run that you've ever done? Um, my longest run so far has been a 100 mile. 100 mile. Where did you do that? Uh, that was uh, in the same area as where I went today. I was trying to see, I thought we were Strava friends. I was trying to look, I was trying to look you up because I wanted to kind of see like your splits. Cause if you're, if you're doing some walking as well, when you're doing the uphills, that means some of your miles were probably, you probably had some nine, 10 minute miles in there as well too, which is impressive when you're doing that, when you're doing that much. Yeah. I, I have a pretty good, uh, um, downhill mile. Um, I can do up to like, uh, uh, if it's not too technical, if there's not a lot of rocks or uh, mud, I can I run up to 345, 350 minutes per kilometer. That, that, that is something like six or five yeah. uh, minutes per mile, I think. Yeah, that's fast. That's, down, that's downhill. Um, that's still, that's yeah. Downhill is, see, people think, people think that downhill is easy. Oh, you're running downhill, so it's just running really fast. But running downhill when you're doing it for a while that shit rips up your quads and it is not as easy as people think. Like, you know, I'd honestly, if, if you had to tell me, you know, Oh, you can run either completely downhill or completely uphill. Uh, if it's not too steep of an uphill, I might even take the uphill slightly just because just running downhill after a certain amount of time, you're just, you're ripping your legs up and it is, it is miserable. It actually, it starts hurting a lot quicker than running uphill does. It's a different oh, kind of pain. The, the the uphill part um, uh, it's it abuses especially the calves. Um, yes. Downhill is more the quads and the knees and and basically everything. <laughs> exactly. You you hit the nail on the head. Pretty much everything except the calves. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and back to that hundred miler. I'm sorry. Where did you say you did that at? I did it in the same area as where I went today. So I did a a a, a bigger loop. But I went through the three countries as well uh, as where I went today. So that wasn't an official race either? 
No, no, that was also uh, while well, uh, a training run that got out of hands. <laughs> <laughs> kind what, of. What's uh, and what was your time on that one? Uh, it took me twenty-one hours. Okay. What's your longest actual race? My longest actual race was one hundred and seventeen k. So like seventy miles or so. Uh, seventy. I think it was seventy-four miles. But I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I'd have to check. And it had um, eleven thousand feet of elevation. Yeah, 117k. Let's see, 100k is 62 miles. 17k is about 10 miles. So yeah, it's about about 72 miles. Some 72 miles, give or take. But yeah, that's and where was where was that at? Uh, that was a, a race that consisted out of five loops, uh, and it was um, uh, in the same area as where I live now but about 10 miles away now that's an interesting distance for a race was that the was that the design distance or was it one of those like you have a certain amount of time to get as many loops as you can get done and that's what you got done no it was actually they they had a um, they had a cutoff in mind and they said okay you'll have to do this within 15 hours um, it's it's hard even for the for top runners to do it within 15 hours uh the 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 back of the pack runners or the the easy pace runners they need at least 16 hours in general or 17 uh, on such a course um so well yeah it, it was a a pre-designed a pre-designed race as you uh, mentioned okay now have you ever done any uh have you ever done any official like half marathons or marathons or anything like that where you're trying to just push yourself for the entire 13 or 26 miles? I did a marathon once, uh, but it wasn't an official uh, it wasn't an official one. And when we finished, they actually realized that the course was one and a half miles too long for for being a marathon. <laughs> so so you did an ultra before you even meant to do an ultra. Yeah, yeah, I, I still have to register for for a a, a, a regular marathon distance uh, race. Come it's, to the United uh, States, I would love to run a marathon with you. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I dis definitely will have to travel to the U.S. My best friend, he lives in Florida right now. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, one day I will, I will definitely. There's so many places I I have to go see in in the U.S. And I'm not talking about the typical oh i need to go to see uh, uh the empire state building or uh, uh miami or i don't know i mean really the the country and its people i mean there's so many places that, uh, exactly it, you don't want to get stuck at a tourist trap you want to go you want to go see the country for what it's supposed to be you're right yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of lot of places you can only see when you go uh, into the countryside uh, uh, let's say appalachian trail uh, the oh yeah Pacific crest trail uh, and then there's the the courses of the eastern states and the western states endurance runs i mean yep those you're talking you always... you're talking my area now the appalachian trail runs right through pennsylvania yeah that's that's i mean that's one of the the places i still want to go and see oh that'd be that that's that would be awesome for you it'd be a hell of an experience i've never been out there but i know people that have done it and they say it's a it's a it's a lifetime experience and it's something that they're very very happy they did yeah, your country is the like the uh, 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 like uh, Trade running heaven. Uh, I mean, it's back <laughs> in where it was invented. 
Uh, yeah. Europeans, they, they were be, uh, and are still behind uh, on U.S. Uh, races, I think. Well, I'll tell you what the Europeans are not behind on. I'm a soccer fan. You guys are not behind on soccer. <laughs> you guys kick ass in soccer. All three of those countries that you named, Belgium, Netherlands, and Germany, all three of those countries, all phenomenal soccer clubs. Germany, uh, Belgium, yeah, but I, uh, I don't agree when you say the Netherlands. They used to be really good, but they, they don't have the, the right mentality now. Yeah, I. What was it? A uh, two thousand. I'm trying to think. Uh, 2014. Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm drawing a. I'm drawing a blank on their names right now, but uh, their their two lead strikers were unbelievable. Uh, Van was oh uh Percy Percy and Van uh Van Robin. Uh, Robin and Van Percy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I tell you, I love soccer. <laughs> Those guys were studs. Studs. They, there was that was such a fun club to watch back then. Yeah, they 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 were like the um what they they call in the Netherlands the the second golden era of uh, of uh, soccer. Uh, the first one was in uh, uh, um, 74, 78 when they had the the well actually Dutch god of football or soccer, uh, Johan Cruyff. Um, okay. Yeah, and that after that it just went down for uh, downhill for a few years, and we didn't have any good players. Well, we had some good players like Van Basten, uh, but not not really any good results. We had to play your ladies in uh in the Olympics this year. Uh, it came down to shootout. It came down to penalty kicks, man. That was that was a uh, it was it was an interesting game because as a as a big soccer fan, I watched too. Like neither one of those teams played that well in that game, and it was one of those things that could have went either way. But I knew, even though USA was squeaking past Netherlands, I said the way both of these teams are playing, um, not neither one of them is probably going to win in the next round. And sure, sure I enough, I didn't actually watch any of the Olympics except for the the athletics. Yeah. Uh, so Sweden, or I'm sorry, uh, Netherlands and the United States played in the round of eight, and yeah. uh, USA beat the Netherlands in penalty kicks. Good. Good. And I, yeah, I think they beat the Netherlands in uh, in the World Championship final too, or the semifinal or something. I think yeah, I think it was this. No, it was it was. Uh, I I think it might have been the final because the the year before. The year before was Japan, and I think in the last one, I think it was, I think it was in the championship. It could be, it could be. I remember this uh, uh, this American lady, short blonde hair. I don't remember the name, but she was really good. Uh, it might have been uh, Megan Rapino. Might have still had blonde hair back yeah, then, yeah. or Harley Lloyd. One, the, the the captain. I think the team captain, right? Yeah, Megan Rapino. Yeah, that was before she started dyeing her hair. Okay. What the <laughs> <laughs> now? Now it's purple. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So, so back to running. I know you have. You said you have your eyes set on a uh, doing a two hundred mile in the United States. Was is it a specific race that you're looking at, or do you just want to do a two hundred mile race out here? Well, there's a there's a few two hundred mile races that are uh, interesting in terms of uh, location, geographical area. Um, but the, this specific one, the Tahoe 200 mile, is um, it's uh, it has a cutoff that is um, uh, very 
how do you say, uh, very good. Uh, you you get five days and nights or five days and four nights to finish race. So that's that's good. You have some time to rest in between as well. It's more yeah, like sure. a, an adventure run than uh, just a really fast race as well. Yeah, for sure. And if you're waiting two years to come out, hopefully with some proper planning, maybe uh, it'd be really cool. Maybe I can try and make my way out there and uh, I can hopefully maybe maybe try and pace you for a little bit of it. That would be really, really cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to need some patience, especially after <laughs> one through the night. Well, you know, in the uh, in the ODAT page, we have plenty of trail runners and we do have people from over closer to the West Coast as well, too. So when it gets down to that time as well, I'm sure you won't have uh, you won't have too much trouble finding people, you know, even out here that are in the ODAT page that would love to probably yeah. try and pace you and, you know, meet other awesome people in the recovery community. And it just probably a great time. Well, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I, I would actually love to meet some more people from the group as well because uh, I, I, I do know some other uh, recovering addicts where I live now. Uh, I met one of them who's part of the ODAD group as well, Remco. Uh, the okay. Guy. Yeah. Uh, I met him a few, uh, few months ago. Uh, I'm going to be meeting him again in, I think in a few weeks. Or Did you or meet so him again. through the group or did you know him before he was in the group? No, I didn't know him personally. I uh, got in touch with him uh, through Facebook. Uh, and then one day he decided to go for a run in my area with uh, some friends. And I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be joining you for a few miles just to uh, say hi and to, uh, to have a chat. And that was, uh, that was good. That is super, super cool. See, right there, that kind of stuff right there, it just like, it makes my heart smile, man. Like, I love to hear that stuff. People in the recovery community people especially in the ODAP page that are meeting outside in the real world and they're running and they're doing stuff together and you guys are staying sober and you're staying clean together and you're practicing the the wonderful habits of recovery like I love that it, it it's exactly why this group was created so awesome people all over the world can can practice these these safe habits um, and practices together we can talk together we can build each other up Exactly. And then if you live close enough, you know, you can meet up with these people and you can enjoy real life experiences with them as well. So that like, you have no idea how happy that makes me to hear that. Uh, Cause this is my first time hearing about that. I absolutely love that. That is so cool. It's, it's one of the things that I wanted to say, even, even if I wouldn't have met him uh, just uh, reading the post on your dot page or uh, reading uh, other people's stories or other uh, recovering addicts stories. Uh, it helps to get through life. I mean, uh, you know, you're not alone. You know, uh, you're not the only one uh, fighting a battle every day. Because um, I mean, be honest, it's it's not something we do just once in a while fighting this uh, this addiction. Uh, we do this every day uh, from the, the moment we wake up until we go to uh, to bed again. So yeah, it's it's good to know that there's uh, there's more people like you and like I, like myself. Uh, um, we're in the same boat. Absolutely. And we're all going to keep rowing together. If the ship goes down, we're all going down together. That's, that's oh, it. Well, we're all, let's, let's not go down. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're just going to keep rowing this shit right on top of the water. Right. I absolutely it. love it. Um, so back to, back to your recovery a little bit. What are, what are some things that you like to do now? You're coming up on almost, almost nine years, uh, clean, clean from cocaine what are some of the things that you like to practice i know running is big for you is there anything outside of running and fitness that you like to do to help you 
maintain your recovery that really helps out for you in, in your personal life as well? Um, well, actually, uh, 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 healthy food. I mean, a lot of foods, vegetables, uh, it, it does help. If you eat crap food, you're going to be feeling, uh, you're going to be, how should I say it? Right. Let me find the right words. Um, if, if you don't eat food that makes you function well, you're not, you're not going to be feeling well. Uh, and eventually it will reflect in, in the things you, you'll be doing, I think. Um, at least that's, that's how I work. Uh, if I don't eat well, I feel like, I feel like shit. And if I feel like shit and I'm weak, I might just have a relapse. Um, so I'm trying to, to avoid that as much as possible. And other than that, it's just uh, um, enjoying nature. Uh, I mean, apart from the running, just enjoying every life, everyday life in, in nature, animals, uh, plants, trees, flowers. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm, uh, I'm a strange person in this. I don't think so. Not even a little bit. I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's definitely something that a lot of people can relate to, I believe. Um, so I, I definitely don't think you're strange at all in that aspect. I think it's really, really smart. I'm actually getting ready to I'll be going vegetarian soon. And mm. then um, I will eventually I don't want to necessarily say I'm going to be vegan because I don't know if I'll ever give up eggs. I love eggs. It's just it's a huge part of my diet and my nutrition plan. Um, I, I eat a lot of eggs, but I will be giving up pretty much all other dairy uh, and, and I'll be giving up meat. Uh, and like I said, I'm pretty much going to be borderline vegan just with eating eggs. Uh, but it's something that I'll be trying soon uh, to just kind of I want to see how how my body responds on an yeah. energy level, on a fitness level. And I want to see if I feel a lot better then it might be something that I just make a long term switch. Because uh, I I do love meat, but if I can get better results out of my body and out of out of my mental health as well, then you know the hell with it. I'm just going to keep rolling with it. Um, uh, it's not a transition you you should do in in like a really short period of time. You have to take uh, some time for it. Uh, your body has to adjust it. Your mind has to adjust it. There's a lot of changes going on. Um, uh, it's it's a long long term process. Took me about two or three years when, from the moment when I went vegan, uh, uh, before I started feeling really well. Oh, wow, it took that I, long. Yeah, for me it is, but maybe uh, maybe I'm just a slow learner. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe I didn't do it right, or maybe I I didn't do the uh, the the right sequence of steps uh, in that process. Okay. It, but it, yeah, that eventually I, I do think uh, it, it made me it made me a healthier person, not only physically but also mentally. Okay. Maybe more compassionate, more. Um, um, I'm I'm not saying more compassionate because I'm not eating any meat or fish, but more compassionate towards people and and animals in in, in general. Um, I think that makes, again, that, that, to me, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, it just, it, it sounds like it really just gave you a whole better uh, mental mindset mindset that has just like allowed you to just grow as a person is kind of what it really sounds like. It, it did. But then, then I also have to say, uh, this, this works for me. Um, it might not work for you or for somebody else. So maybe uh, once you start transitioning to go and 
going uh, full uh, vegetarian or uh, um, uh, borderline uh, vegan, as you said, or uh, full vegan, it might not work for you. Uh, I, I, I know some people who actually were vegan before I was, and they went back to being vegetarian or flexitarian, or uh, they started eating meat again. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't work for everybody, I think. For sure. I mean, everybody has different paths. Um, I, I do know at the very least, I know I'm going to give up uh, and do less meat at the very, very least less meat because I don't think I need to be eating meat three times a day anymore or even two times a day like I am right now. Well, if, if you if you like it, if it's if it tastes good, I mean, why not? Oh, my God. That's the problem is it tastes so I mean, good. I mean, that, that's a problem. That's the thing I have with chocolate, for example. I, I try to live healthy uh, as a pro athlete, but uh, sometimes, I mean, man, when I get into a, a candy shop, like uh, like they call it, and I see chocolate, I fuck it. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I could eat, a, I love- I could, I could eat two, uh, two pounds of chocolate and, and not feel sick. And I would say, yeah, bring it on. I want more. Oh, that's my problem. I'm so bad with chocolate. I'm right there with you, brother. Like I can eat so much chocolate. It's fucking ridiculous. Like if I eat, you know, chocolate to me, it's, it's like, it's like drinking like one, one is too many. And, and the entire bag is not enough. Like it doesn't matter how much chocolate is, is there. It can be a small little bag of M&Ms or it can be the entire like party size meant for like the big ass bowl. And it doesn't matter because that bag is going to be empty when I'm done with it. It does not matter. I'm eating all of the chocolate. It's I'm yeah. so bad. I'm so bad. Yeah. And like you said, I don't even feel sick afterwards. I don't even care. I'm not even yeah. ashamed. You don't, you don't feel guilty either. Do you? I mean, no, not, not even a little bit on this. No, that that's, but that's a good thing about chocolate. You can do it and that's it. Uh, there's no need to feel bad or wrong about it. Yeah. I mean, you should, I think that's one of those pleasures of life you, you should be able to enjoy. For sure. Our neighbor, our neighbor got us, uh, one time we helped her out with something and she got, uh, my wife and I, this like big, like movie basket thing. And it was like filled with all kinds of candy and whatnot. And I got home one night after work and I ate all of the chocolate. It was, it was like <laughs> everything from like, there was snow caps and there was M&Ms and there was Reese's PCs and milk duds and pretty much anything with chocolate. I ate it all. And my wife, the next morning, she goes like, you really ate all the chocolate. And I was, I looked there, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sorry. Like, I'm not, I'm not even sorry. Like, yeah, it was, it was going to be gone. You knew exactly what was going to happen. And it's just, yeah. yeah, I'm, I absolutely love it. So for our, uh, for our listeners out there, and I like to ask this question a lot. Um, for the people that are out there struggling to the, to the people that might be clean and sober now who are, are thinking about making a mis- I don't want to say a mistake, but they're thinking about picking up a drink or a drug or for the people out there who are still actively in their addiction, who need some inspiration to put the drink or the drug down for those people that are listening out there and they need to kind of hear something to either not pick the, the drink or drug up or to put it down. What can you say to those listeners that might help them? and inspire them what kind of words of wisdom can you give them that you've learned over the over the last eight and a half plus years that might help them get through the day today um well that's a good one um uh well first of all you're never alone um 
as you said before, we're all in the same boat, we're all rowing the same boat. So uh, the, if they feel um, if they feel alone or if they feel hurt or they feel like they need to talk to someone or they feel like crying, they should reach out to any one of us, any one of us and, and, and just just talk, I mean, or just ask for, for help. I mean, we're not gonna bite, we're just gonna be there for them and, 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 and help them where and how we can. Uh, that that would be one thing, and then I would say uh, um, it's it. Don't expect changes. If, once you start a process, uh, if and if you start thinking about taking that step towards recovery, uh, don't expect the whole process to go quickly. Um, I have this uh, saying: uh, Japanese cars are usually built in a few hours. Uh, it takes half a year to build a Rolls Royce. So it, it takes a long time before you get to where you have to be. I like yeah. that a lot. I like yeah, that a lot. That's, that's and, good and, stuff. And then there's this, there's this uh, quote by uh, Bruce Lee, nothing worth having comes easy. Oh. So it, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, an incredibly hard fight every day again, and maybe for the rest of your life, but it's, it's all worth it. I mean, eventually it's all worth it. Uh, the things you get back once you start recovering, it's, it's incredible. I mean, you, you, some might get their family back, their, their, their loved ones, uh, uh, a new job, a new, a new home. Uh, so many things you, you, you get back for, for, what, uh, well, for all the effort and for, for all sure. the, the, the things you're uh, letting go of. Absolutely. That's really, really deep, and I love that. I like that a lot. I like that quote by Bruce Lee. The great Bruce Lee also said, be like water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> water can flow and water can crash. Uh, be like water. I love it. I absolutely love it. That is so cool. Um, okay. And this was a lot of fun today. It was really, really cool. Uh, for our listeners that don't know, uh, we were actually supposed to do this uh, a couple months ago, actually. And I think something came up for you with work and we had to reschedule. I'm just glad we we're able to finally get this in because I've been really, really looking forward to this interview. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to get more more perspectives from all over the globe as well. So I'm really happy to now link into our third different country that we had a chance in. Really happy to reach out to you in the Netherlands. This was a lot of fun. It was really awesome. Yeah. This has been it's been such a blessing. Um, on behalf of all of our listeners here, uh, you know, for everybody on the Facebook page and staying fit ODAP for, um, on behalf of all the podcast listeners as well, Daniel, we want to thank you so much for taking the time with us today, especially after completing a hundred kilometer run. That is no easy feat. That was 12 and a half hours on your feet. And now you, you took the time to sit down with us and do this interview. That was really, really cool. And I think the timing worked out as well because I think it was really cool to do this on a day that you did that. It gave us something really awesome to talk about. So again, we want to thank you for taking the time with us today. Uh, on behalf of everybody, Daniel, we just want you to continue staying healthy, continue staying fit. And brother, tell us how you're doing it. One day at a time. Absolutely love it so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Staying Fit Odette. If you yourself identify as someone in recovery, whether it be from alcoholism, substance abuse, anxiety, depression, or any other type of mental health issue, then please join the group on Facebook at Staying Fit O-D-A-A-T, three different words. 
If you do not identify as someone in recovery, but you like everything we have going on and you want to continue staying in the loop with everything, then please follow us on Instagram at stayingfitodaat. You can also email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at stayingfitodaat at gmail.com. Until next time, just know you're loved, continue staying healthy, continue staying fit, and please keep doing this one day at a time.